Welcome back, everybody. It's time again for another episode of Let's Talk Real Estate with the one man who seems to know more about it than most, the one man, Barry Saywitz, who joins us today to give us a no-BS look at both sides of the issues. Hey, Barry. Hey, good morning, Paul. Thanks a lot. We're back here on Let's Talk Real Estate uh, for another week of uh, chit-chat and talking about the market and where we think it's headed. Uh, I am Barry Saywitz, president of the Saywitz Company and managing partner of Barry Saywitz Properties. And uh, if it's one thing I've learned in the 30 years that I've been doing uh, this is it's to look at both sides of the real estate transaction and try and come up with best solutions uh, for navigating uh, the real estate market and its uncertainty. So welcome, everybody. Uh, I'd like to welcome our viewers and our listeners out there. Before we get going, I want to do today's shout out to uh, really all of the uh, winter Olympians who are competing out there and especially Team USA. Good luck to them. And uh, we're cheering for you. Uh, and a quick note, uh, a uh, uh, good luck to the Rams this weekend in the Super Bowl. So so, uh, with all of that said, we are back. My post-COVID beard uh, is gone temporarily. For those who liked it, I will tell you it will return. Uh, for those who didn't like it, it's gone. Enjoy it while it's gone. So, with me today uh, is our guest, uh, Pat Swanson, Executive Vice President, Head of the Swanson Team at Collier's International. Uh, Collier's International is a uh, worldwide commercial real estate brokerage firm. And, Pat, you're headquartered here in Orange County. Welcome to the show. Yeah, hey, thanks, Barry. Thanks for having me. On. Yeah, so today's topic, we're going to talk, uh, one of my favorite topics, we're going to talk apartments uh, and uh, where's it going, where's it been, and uh, what are the nuances uh, going on in today's world. And Pat, you've been doing this a long time uh, here in Orange County, and you've seen the market go up and down and sideways and flat. I want to get your take on, on what the market perspective is, but I think it's important for our viewers and our listeners to understand where we've come from. And so I want to first start take a step back to dark days that I'd like to forget, which is the recession from 2000, I'm going to call it late seven until 2011 almost, right. where the market, for lack of a better word, just sucked uh, right. <laughs> overall economy. You lived through it and we saw real estate values tank. We saw rents drop. We saw vacancies increase on the apartment side. And then it slowly come back. What was going on in the world then and how did it recover and what were the factors that that allowed it to come back luckily i was in the business in 2002 till 2007 2008 when the market crashed and so i was able to develop some relationships during that time that uh, allowed me some credibility during the hard times so 2008 2009 2010 very difficult times in the business every year you have natural sales that happened in the marketplace, uh, death, divorce, partnership, dissolution. So you kind of lived off those few deals that happened during that time. There wasn't a lot of opportunistic buys unless, you know, these people that kind of anticipated that this was going to happen and had money ready and willing and able. But we started to see that return really in probably middle of 2010, 2011. And from 2010, 2011, it's been a constant upswing really until kind of halfway through 2000. 20 and then it boomed again till where we're at today so very difficult times during that during that era um, and it was just a lot of giving information to clients letting them know what was going on in the marketplace giving them rent surveys and just being there during that tough time and being able to last through that tough time to get to the point where people started buying again and feeling comfortable and investing in real estate so during that whole 10 12 years we always thought that you know 
the values seemed really high. Even when they were low, you didn't know how low they were going to go. So every time we sold a building, God, I'm getting a really good price for this deal. And then you look back and think, wow, I thought that was a really high price. But looking back now, that, that was a really good price right. for our clients. So the, the constant rent growth has really, really helped out in the, in, the, in, the, in the county. I think over the course of the last 10 years, values have gone up over 110%. So it still has been a great investment for a lot of people. And so if we fast forward, we get to the beginning of COVID, market goes dark again. I don't want to focus on all the negative, but it really was a blip in time. I mean, once people started to see that COVID was, for lack of a better word, sort of the new norm, I need to deal with it, it's not going away, people sort of got back to uh, their business of doing business. And because of COVID, at least my perspective, I'm curious yours, was people weren't moving, right? Uh, people that were in apartments didn't want to move, number one, because they either didn't have the money or weren't working or there wasn't a lot out there or it was COVID, I just don't want to move, right. which to me then created additional tightness in the market. Yeah, 100%. So during that time, not a lot of people were moving, but also people were moving from office space into their apartments. Yeah. So now the new norm was people working from home. So that basic need, I need a roof over my head, now it's it's combined with also part office space as well, really, you know, people could pay less for their office space that they currently had and pay a little bit more for their apartment rent. And nobody was really moving during that time. So really tight vacancy and owners found an opportunity when there was a vacant unit that they could really charge the market because there wasn't a lot of of opportunities for uh, tenants to find a lot of vacant units. Yeah. And those units that had outdoor patios or yard areas, or if the complex had open areas where you could get out and get some fresh air, really became a very attractive amenity, especially with the COVID. Yeah, the the, uh, the garden style apartment building that, that less congestion, more spread out, um, especially that single story construction that you see so predominantly in, in Orange County, very, very popular real estate. And we saw a lot of people moving from the urban centers to the suburban markets. So th- there definitely was a need now for uh, open patio spaces, uh, taking down walls and make create a more open environment for a lot of tenants. But that's exactly what we've seen in the marketplace the last two years. Yeah, and then you combine that with a very tight residential market where there's very low inventory. So even if I wanted to buy a house, I just don't have a lot of options. And so if I either buy something that's expensive, that's really not what I want, or I just keep renting until I find what I want and I keep looking. And so what do I do? I renew my lease, makes the market tighter. Right. And we're still seeing quite a difference of what the cost in Orange County is to rent versus own. There's still a spread there that makes a lot of sense for people to say that, you know, the market's really high in the, in the, uh, to buy a house right now. I might as well continue to rent and see what happens. Yeah. And so as we come out of COVID, we sort of fast forward into today's world. Uh, I'm curious your take on it, but over the last, I'm going to call it certainly six months uh, for sure, really have seen the rents skyrocket, really have continued to see prices uh, on the apartment side continue to go up and not by little blips, but by sort of steep steps? Well, I think people looking at apartments now are looking at future cash flows. So they're seeing that it's a basic need. And I can count in most areas of the, of the state that I can at least raise my rents at the level of inflation every single year. And we all know inflation's on the horizon now. So what's been very popular is I can still lock in very low interest rates and I can count on in the future that every year I'm gonna be able to raise X amount of units by this amount. And I can count on that. There are some areas of the state that have uh, a rent freeze right now that's not gonna last forever, but it has been difficult on some owners. But I think people are buying on low interest rates 
and predicting inflation is here to stay and that apartments are probably the best hedge against inflations you can find. Yeah, I mean, so let's delve into that and talk about it a little bit. You have certainly historically low interest rates, which continue to allow properties to trade at higher amounts and allow the owner investor to lock in at a low rate. And so if interest rates do go up, do you anticipate that's going to have any effect on pricing? Or is it sort of baked in? And as long as there aren't big jumps in rates, if it's you know, 50 basis points or even an entire point, is, is that going to make a difference in the market, in your opinion? It will make a difference. I mean, the, it affects the, the overall cash flow of the property and how much down you need in qualifying for the building. So right, the raising of the interest rates will affect values. Now, how fast they do it, um, it really is going to depend on kind of what we see on the, on, uh, on the reflection of prices. I think if it's going to be the slow rise of interest rates and locking in maybe some interest-only debt and allowing yourself to create some value of the property, raise the raise the rents or the ancillary income in between the time that the, inter- the interest rate only option turns to principal and interest, I think you'll be okay. I don't anticipate them raising them incredibly fast, but I do see a slow raise over time. That's what I'm anticipating. But I think we're all waiting to see what's going to happen next. And it's interesting because historically, if you're buying a property, whether it's apartments or anything else, investors look at cap rates. And so for those uh, of our listeners and viewers out there that are sort of novices at this, right, the cap rate is the return on your investment. And so if my interest rate goes up and my cap rate stays low, my return basically gets squeezed and goes down. If interest rates go up, theoretically one would think that cap rates would go up accordingly. But today you have historically low interest rates and historically low cap rates. And so if everything moves up, then what winds up happening is the only way that, in my opinion, the only way that the property continues to hold its value or go up is I raise rents, which could happen. So I think that to combat against that is to lock in long-term interest rates or, or start with an interest-only option up front and continue to stay on top of improving the property, raising the rents when appropriate, and taking advantage of the ancillary income, you know, charging for you know pets or charging back for the utility bills or for parking yeah. or you know other things outside just the rent. But locking in a rate today and allowing that to stay steady and raising the other rents when appropriate over time is going to allow you some arbitrage of starting here and growing your income over time with a locked-in interest rate. And is there a sort of um, methodology that you recommend to your investor clients in terms of trying to capitalize on their investment via either renovating units, upgrading them so you can capitalize on the rents? Or do others just say, hey, look, I really don't want to spend any money and I'll raise it as it goes, but I'm, I'm just not interested in coming up with a sure. bunch of cash? Well, the world we live in today in California, there is rent control and there are certain additions to rent control in in certain cities in L.A. County and whatnot. So when you have the opportunity to have a vacant unit, it's the best opportunity you have to improve the building, improve the unit and try to get the best rent you possibly can get. It may be the last time for a very long time in some circumstances that you can raise the rent. So. Um, you know, it's not getting a vacant unit, doing the, the normal turn anymore and just getting the normal rent because you realize that I've got a lot at stake right now. I have to invest the money to get the highest rent I can because I don't know when the next time I'm going to be able to raise the rents. Yeah, and then combine that with the tax benefits of spending the money on uh, expenses on the property and being able to write it off. So, right. yeah, I think we found in our own business and then for many of our clients that that really seems to be 
the MO is when something comes available, I make it nice. Which, right. for the tenant, the good news is you're getting a nice remodeled unit. The bad news is you really have this upward pressure still on the rents so that when you go to look at stuff in the market, if you're the tenant, you have limited options and you're going to pay a higher ticket. You're going to pay a higher amount. What some of our investor clients have done is they'll have a vacant unit and they make it really nice and then they're offered out to the existing renter pool at their property, good tenants that they already know and they'll say, hey, we're going to ask this much for this apartment. but. We'll give it to you, let's say it's $2,000 a month. We'll rent it to you for $1,850. And that's higher than what they're paying now, but they get a fresh, new, clean apartment, and now you have another vacant. Vacant, so you could go rerun. And you can slowly play musical apartments to fix the quality of the apartment building. Yeah. And so from a strategy of an investor uh, who owns an apartment building, uh, and they're looking to cash out, do something different, exit strategy, what do you recommend to them in today's market in terms of whether it's a good time to do it and cash out at the top of the market and then where do they put the money? Right. Well, it's probably one of the greatest real estate markets I've ever seen, probably yourself as well, Barry. Um, it, everybody's got a different scenario. So if we're dealing somebody that is retired and they are living on a set income, but they're just at the point now where you know they just don't want to make improvements to the building more. They don't want to deal with tenants anymore. They want just to collect a paycheck. Sometimes we'll recommend a, a single tenant triple net asset, something that's very low risk that I put my parents into, corporately backed, strong demographics, big population. We've done multiple times over with clients. Some people are looking to grow their, their portfolio. So we'll look at what they have and say, well, your, your, your portfolio looks like, or your, this apartment building looks like it's, you know, 40, 50, 60 years old, it's mostly one bedrooms, you have no more depreciation. Let's look at something on putting you into maybe you know double the amount of units you have now, put 50% down and lock in the lowest rates of all time, and then slowly raise those rents every year at the level, just at least at the level of inflation over time. You've got depreciation benefits, you get interest right off on the loan, and you're over time you're increasing your your your, uh, your overall income exponentially by owning more units yeah. and just believing what you do. I mean, it's what you already do. You own apartments. Let's get you in more apartments, maybe a little better area, a little newer, a little better unit mix. So there's a different criteria for every everyone we work with. And do you still see like who's the buyer? I mean, is it a local investor? Is it foreign money? Is it people from out of the area? Is it big investment groups? And who is? While there may not be one bucket of people, but I mean, who's the predominant buyer out there in today's market? The answer is yes to yeah, everything all you just above. said. Yeah, D, all it, the above, it, right? It, it, it really is. Um, everyone has a, everyone's got a different need. I mean, we have people that have. You know, they just inherited money. Um, they want to. They want to invest in real estate. There's other people that have are seasoned investors like yourselves that see an opportunity. There are there are foreign investors that are looking at the United States and, and seeing an incredible opportunity there. So, it, whenever we list a property, it, it's amazing. You know, if marketed right, to see kind of where the buyers, who the buyers are, what their story is. It's not always the usual suspects where you used to be able to stand on a building and pick out your buyer. I mean, people yeah. are coming from everywhere and they're looking at. Hey, I see inflation. What's going to hedge against that? Probably real estate, and I can lock in really low values. And there's a basic need here. And California's got a lot of barriers to entry, and you know, the, there, there's still you know good economics behind what we own here locally. So it makes a whole lot of sense. On maybe I'm not maybe the cap rate's low today, but 
in the future, it's not going to be that way. I'm going to raise the rents every single year. I'm going to make improvements to the property. And over time, it's going to grow in value. So people are looking for the future and seeing that, you know, heck, I got to put my money. Maybe I don't want the stock market. Maybe I don't want it in the bank. Where's the best place to put it? Yeah, all questions I look in the mirror and ask myself every single day, right? So the issue becomes, look, if I put it in the bank today, I'm getting 1% or less uh, or zero or whatever it is. And if I put it in the stock market, it could be gone tomorrow or down significantly. And then you got to ask yourself, do I continue to own in Southern California, in Orange County in particular, where I believe that the real estate market is solid and the dynamics are solid and there's a lack of housing and a lack of product? Or do I take my business elsewhere and go to Texas or Vegas or Arizona or, or some other place where I can get a better return? Do you find that when people are selling the stuff that they have, that they are actively looking out of state? Or the people that have made money in Southern California, they say, hey, look, I live here. I'm fine. I want to feel it. I want to touch it. I'm sticking around. Right. All of the above, really. We have some clients here that are looking to maybe to diversify a little bit. They don't want to get rid of their whole portfolio, but they are looking at some attractive returns outside of California. We sold a deal last year in Salt Lake City and we sold one in San Antonio. And, you know, just being around those different markets, it was booming. And, you know, it used to be that you would go to those markets and they'd be the first one in the recession, in the recession, the last one's out. Now a lot of the jobs are recreated there. The herds are moving there. So there's a lot more economics on why it makes sense to go there. However, being in your backyard, being able to know and touch and feel your own apartment building, and it's a living, breathing thing, and you have tenants there, and being able to, to go by there on a Saturday and see some problems that you want to fix, there's something to be said about that. And it's still a very fantastic market here in Southern California. And there are parts of LA that are experiencing rent control, eviction moratoriums. At some point, there's going to be a sunset on that. But there's some great areas in, or in Orange County, San Diego County, Inland Empire, they're experiencing wonderful rent growth and the economics behind it and job growth still make a whole lot of sense. So if you can find a building, you can add a little value, maybe ADUs or just, you know, it, it makes sense for you. There's a lot of benefit to owning local real estate as well. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. So let's shift gears for a second and then let's talk about the tenant side of the equation. It's difficult, right? It's a difficult market if you're a tenant, if you want to move, you have limited opportunities. You're gonna, as we talked about, pay market rent, whatever that might be. And if you're staying, you're gonna get some type of a rent increase is what I'm gonna guess. Uh, it could be a little, it could be a little more than a little, and then don't really look for your current landlord to do a whole bunch of improvements unless you're gonna pay full boat market rent because otherwise, right. where's the incentive for the landlord to do that? Certainly if something's broken or really old, that's one thing, but uh, to come in and, and fix up your place and not get the same as I get from the guy off the street, it's a tough one. Right. So if I'm a tenant and I'm gonna go out and I wanna go look for a place to rent, what are some tips that you could offer our tenant viewers out there, uh, and there's plenty of them, uh, as to how to prepare yourself to make yourself look more attractive? I say no different than applying to college. I've gotta tell a story. Right. 100%, I would say that really a few things. One, being employed is gonna be- Always good to have a job. Yeah, <laughs> have a good job. <laughs> a strong, solid credit report. You know, try to do your best to, you know, kind of increase your your overall credit. I think there's ways to help boost that. Uh, and also have letters of recommendation from the previous landlord. Because when you go into a contract with a landlord, it, it's, it's a two-way street. And it's, it's like almost like a marriage. And so, you know, a lot of these tenants become family to the landlords. And, you know, if you're a good tenant, you're, you're treated right often. 
you know, most people are in this business to provide good housing for good tenants, and, and it, it's a two-way street. So I think just, you know, obviously having a good job or just having a job, uh, being employed, good credit score, uh, or the best you can and trying to re- improve it, and uh, just really having a, a good recommendation from the previous landlord, because there's a lot of people out there that are, unfortunately are taking advantage of the system today, and there's a lot of people that really need help. So I think it's just, you know, having that good recommendation from a previous landlord and saying this was a great tenant and everyone moves, maybe they needed more space or maybe there's a certain reason why they moved. But those are the things I would look for in a landlord or from a tenant. Yeah, those are all good points. And then I I would just add to it that if your credit is not stellar, then figure out how you can try and fix it or improve it before you go uh, instead of trying to explain it after the fact. And then certainly if you have all of your ducks in a row, whether it's pay stubs and explanation, even a letter from your work, or if you just got a new job, getting uh, a letter or an offer letter together, summarizing what you're making to have verification, the more you walk in the door with, the more information that a landlord has, the quicker they can make a decision. Because the other issue in a tight market, and I'm sure you're seeing it, is in many instances you have multiple applicants for an empty unit. And so the deals get done very quickly. And if one person has not so good credit and not as much income and the other person has very good credit and very good income, guess where it goes? Then you get back to, hey, uh, if your credit's not good, offer up a bigger deposit. Or if you have three dogs, just know it's going to be a challenge Mm because not everybody wants three dogs. Right. It's difficult, I think, for the tenant. And then the other issue is if I'm going back to renew the lease, uh, my only suggestion from our own experience uh, is to try and talk to your landlord early. And if you want to stay, you know, try and make a deal and lock it in. Because if you wait to the last minute and look around and see if you can find something better and then you go back to the landlord, right. they, they may already have somebody else or they may have mentally moved on as well. Yeah, I think that if I were a tenant and going to approach a landlord, I would talk about my history. During this, you know, during the last two years when it's been difficult, you've noticed that I've done the best I could to make the rent. I made the rent on these occasions. I keep the building in in nice condition. So I think that there's a reward system of having a good tenant. It's going to cost the landlord less money on wear and tear. and, And just knowing that somebody that has made a really good ample effort to make that payment every single month should be rewarded. And I think it's oftentimes it's the tenants that maybe aren't as good that get the highest rent possible. And, you know, the owner maybe doesn't really feel they're a good fit for the property. Yeah. And look, even getting more rent, if you have to chase it every month, it doesn't really matter anyway, from a landlord's perspective. The other thing uh, I'm curious as to your opinion on is the whole supply chain issue. And getting materials for whether it's roofing or fences or sinks or cabinets. So when people are either renovating or just turning a unit, uh, are your clients, are you hearing from your clients that they're still struggling to get stuff to get it turned? And is it taking longer? Certainly yeah. it's costing more. It is. Um, you hear that from everywhere. I mean, whether you're fixing up your own home or you're getting a, a, a unit turned, I think the best thing for a lot of clients is if they have in-house people that are ready to go and you know, it, a lot of times what they'll do is they'll have an extra storage room or a garage where they use for yeah. extra materials in anticipation that this is gonna happen. So if you're working with a management company that does have their own crew or you have your own, then you can get it done faster. If you're out there looking for somebody right now and they have to go get materials and have to find out when they're ready, that's a little bit of a struggle for owners. So I think it's anticipating when my next vacancy is gonna come 
And if you know a month or month and a half out, at least you can schedule people for the day that they move out that the crew can come in. Yeah. So I guess what I'm hearing is if you're a, a landlord or a property owner and you need lights and you and you need five, maybe you should buy 10 and stockpile them somewhere. And that's part of the problem, too. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe they're sitting on a boat off the coast here that right. you can see them, but you can't touch them. And mm-hmm. so that's also a struggle. So back to the investor side for a second. The, the age old question is, where do you think it's going? And while no one's got a crystal ball, if we just look now, we're you know a month into 2022. Where do you see the market headed uh, for the rest of the year or for the next six months? Does it continue on the path that it's on? Is there any uh, factors that you think may disrupt that? Well, right now we're, we're faced with just a lack of supply, just like the housing market. So there's not a lot of buildings available to buy. And if you're owning other parts of the county like Santa Ana or, or parts of LA County, where there's these rent control, rent moratoriums, eviction moratoriums, a lot of people are looking to potentially get out and go somewhere else. And so we are seeing more sales than ordinary in those particular areas, and we're seeing less sales in the areas that really, I, I guess, um, are not as phased by by what's happening in L.A. and in Santa Ana recently. So what I see moving forward the rest of the year is I, I anticipate that rates will slowly go up by the rest of the year, and I, but I still think that there's, I don't know if they're going to go up fast enough for people, the demand to go away. People still want to buy apartment buildings. There's lack of supply. Rates are still low, even if they rise a little bit by the end of the year. And I still think that most areas of California are going to be able to do a healthy 5% plus CPI. And CPI figures in April are probably going to be quite high. So that's a significant amount of rent increases that we can anticipate in advance of them raising rates. So I still think that economics behind buying apartments locally are still very good towards it for the rest of the year. So what I'm hearing is, while there are other factors in uh, inflation, supply chain, stock market, interest rates, all of those go into it, you're still back to supply and demand. If there's demand, prices will continue to be high. They will continue to move in an upward direction because that's how it goes, right? If I have multiple people bidding on the property, somebody's going to run it up. Well, one, you have a basic need. People need a place to live, and we've proved that. Inflation's on the horizon, so apartments are one of the best investments to combat against inflation. And three, you have some of the best tax write-offs, depreciation, over all the other investments. So it makes a whole lot of sense to own and operate apartments for future cash flows. Yeah, and and your company, Colliers, you you guys do stuff certainly on a worldwide stage, but but nationally. When you talk to some of your uh, colleagues that are in different parts of the country, how do they view Southern California? Does it look crazy to them and a bunch of cuckoo numbers and a cuckoo people out in California? Are people running to California and go, that's ridiculous, I'm going to go to something safe like uh, Michigan or Minnesota where I I know it's more even keel? Right. Well, it's interesting. So I had a couple exchanges this last year where the client's criteria was they wanted to trade outside of California. And so we look at the markets that everyone talks about. Boise being one of them, and I remember calling all the, the, the largest agents in Boise, I think maybe two out of 10 called me back. And when they did call me back, they just said, get in line, everybody from California is trying to come here. Uh, we did find them an outstanding building through the Collier system, and then we found another property, I mentioned San Antonio, that was a fantastic uplake for one of our clients. But um, yeah, we are hearing from all the different markets that these California people are coming in and paying these exorbitant amount or exorbitant prices, and you know, that's part of the sales that are coming out of California. I, I'm still a big 
proponent of investing the right way in California, but we are hearing that uh, it's definitely causing the marketplaces and to, all the to, different markets. Yeah, to they're, rise, they're, I mean. yeah, right. So, so if you're buying even at the same cap rate in other markets, but you're buying three times the amount of units, and you just say, "I'm just yeah. going to raise it at the level of inflation," it'll grow over time. Typically, those markets, though, when there is a crash, they're the as I mentioned, they're the first ones to go in, the last ones to go out. And California usually stays pretty pretty level and the inflation, not the inflation, but the appreciation in California typically over the other markets has you know, superseded. Yeah. Kind of the, so for folks kind in Boise business. and San Antonio, you're welcome since we drive up the prices and uh, you take right. advantage of that, right? So one final thought since we just have a minute left. Uh, what's, what's one thing that you think will be the determining factor between now and the end of the year in terms of dictating how the market goes if there was one or what's your top one that, that you tell investors, here's one thing we should watch? I think locally it's watching the rent control and also interest rates. So if it just depends on if other markets follow suit on enacting their own rent control, or um, or if they write you know the slow rise of interest rates. Those are the two major factors that we're seeing in the local market right now. And in a general sense, you see the market continuing to chug along. I mean, I don't want to put words in but your I think mouth. It's a, but I I I see all the benefits of yeah. Interest rates are still low. There's still a demand. Um, there's there's not enough housing for the amount of people that want to live there. And so I still see some very, very positive benefits of owning here locally. Yeah. So you heard it from Pat. If you're interested in investing in the apartment market, it's a good opportunity. Keep doing it. Just don't look at the properties we're thinking about buying. Go buy something else. And if you're a tenant, uh, what I'm hearing from you, Pat, is be prepared. Get yourself uh, educated on the market and then build yourself a little file so that you can present it to the landlord and give yourself the best opportunity to get a new place to live if you're looking for one. Yep, absolutely. So I always enjoy talking with you, your uh, wealth of information, and I wish you and your team and your company continued success in 2022. Uh, I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your thoughts with us, and uh, we'll look forward to chatting again soon. Thanks, Barry. Thank you all. Yeah. So uh, I am Barry Saywitz, president of the Saywitz Company and managing partner of Barry Saywitz Properties. Uh, And I want to thank Paul uh, and the entire team here at OC Talk Radio. I want to thank our producer, Sophia, uh, all of our viewers and listeners for tuning in. We will see you again next week on Let's Talk Real Estate. have it you've been listening to let's talk real estate your weekly bs with barry saywitz about the current state of the real commercial real estate market right here in southern california on orange county's only community radio station oc talk radio streaming live from our studio here at the university of california irvine's beal applied innovation center